0: episode of the Global Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Carrillo. Today we have David Kamara. David has been a real estate investor since buying his first duplex in 2006. Since then, he has transformed the portfolio from residential, single-family, and duplex units to focus on larger multifamily investing, including apartment buildings and townhouse communities, with his latest acquisition being a 124-unit property. So thank you so much for being on the show, David.
1: Thank you very much, Charles. Thanks for having me.
0: So give us a little background on yourself, both uh, personally and professionally, and prior to being involved in real estate investing.
1: Yeah, so I was a management consultant. Before that, I was a programmer. So my background is computer science. Um, got my degree up here at Michigan, University of Michigan. Moved to Chicago with my wife. Um, did the young, prefer- young urban professional life, which was quite fun. Um, and (laughs) after we bought our first house is when I really kind of both my wife and I got interested in the real estate space and decided that we should probably do something further than just buying our personal house. So a few years later, we bought a duplex and three plex and the plan at the time was to continue buying single family and just keep on buying single family as we could afford to. Uh, But then, of course, life happened. We had kids, uh, work changed. uh, There was the downturn, moved back to Michigan. So we kind of got off that, I say, path for a little bit. Um, And then once the management consulting career took off and I opened my own management consulting uh, firm, we now had this money that we wanted to invest. And we started investing in multifamily.
0: Okay, cool. Awesome. Awesome. So when, uh, why did you choose real estate as your investment vehicle? Was it something that you learned from, uh, from going from starting with smaller stuff and it was the way of scale or.
1: So I actually did some soul searching on this um, as a consultant, mm-hmm. you're very analytical. You're always comparing whether it's businesses, you are benchmarking businesses against businesses and how they're performing or different, different parts of the P and L. Um, in this case, I actually looked at a lot of asset classes to see where do I wanna put my money? And when I started all of our, or most of the substantial part of our portfolio was in stocks and we did very well in that asset class. But the, the difficulty for me was you get, I mean, you get hit with all the taxes, right? It's not, it's not structured in a tax efficient manner. And it's also not passive, right? So I had to be very Mm -hmm. active and I enjoyed doing that with stocks. But at some point, it just came up that it's a lot of work and it's a lot of things that you really have zero control over, right? What companies are going to do Mm -hmm. and whether there's accounting irregularities is just totally out of your Mm -hmm. control. And real estate provided that great return with relatively little risk. Um, And also allowed you things like leverage and the tax efficiencies that just made it um, the investment of choice for us. And Mm -hmm. I actually summarized these thoughts in in something I I wrote called the personal cash flow formula. So I I kind of have shared that and made that available to other folks to take a look at.
0: Interesting. So I was reading before our our interview here and it said about one of your first deals was an 18 unit in Chicago. So can you tell us a little bit about that, uh, how you found it and uh, how you funded it?
1: Sure. So that was actually my second deal. Um, and it was, so originally when I, when I did the, the first bigger multifamily deal, um, I was thinking, right, I'll just sit on it for a year to see how it performs before I do anything else. But literally it was, I think two months after closing that first bigger deal that we did, that this deal came around. And at the time I was working as a metro consultant in Chicago, and I also had lived in Chicago. So this is we had moved back to Michigan, but I found myself in Chicago a lot. And I mean, it's exciting. It's a large metropolitan area. Um, mm-hmm. Pricing is definitely different from in Michigan. And the deal, however, did make a lot of sense. So I'd I'd been looking at at multifamily asset cl- uh, properties in Chicago, and and uh, a lot of them just didn't pencil out. Right? People asking too much, or the cash flow wasn't there. And on this one, it made sense. So i really. Had to ask myself why would I wait a few years, right? There's not really a good reason not to do it, um, and it wasn't a big, it wasn't it wasn't that big of a deal that it was too scary, right? I mean, at this point, mm-hmm. the model was pretty clear, so um, we decided to move forward and do it. Mm-hmm. The the funding for it, the funding for it was mostly ours. Like we didn't have to we didn't have to syndicate or anything. Um, I guess the backstory to how the whole thing started was that my wife and I were trying to find a way for me to travel less. Mm -hmm. um, Because with the Magic Consulting Korea, I was traveling a lot. I was on the road many weeks a year. And we had accumulated a significant amount of funds that we felt we wanted to invest in multifamily real estate to generate the cash flow so that I I came home. So this did kind of fall into that scheme and it it made, made it simpler. Um, and we said, sure, we'll fund it and we'll do it. Uh, there were a couple of things that we learned along the way with this deal that I, I, I can speak to if that makes sense here.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, what kind of um, what kind of obstacles or hurdles did you uh, did, were in your way when you bought this deal? Was it a heavy value add or is there a minimal value add to do?
1: Um, it was a minimal value add deal. The deal is cash flowing. So part of our philosophy is minimize risk and pretty much everything we buy is 90% plus occupied when we buy it. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the value play on this was the owner wasn't paying attention too much to it. Some of the units were a bit older and more tired. So kind of light cosmetic renovations, things like kitchens, bathrooms, that kind of stuff. Um, it was brick building, so the exterior was pretty solid. Roof was good. No real mechanical, any of those types of issues that were a major concern. But just in the, in the process of buying this deal, right? So this was our first, I think, agency loan. So our first Freddie Mac loan, small balance loan. And what happened was it's an 18 unit, so it's a small property. And of course, as as anyone who's done any of those loans finds out, they're very particular about occupancy and not just physical occupancy, economic occupancy as well. So with an 18 unit, if you drop down to two vacant, you essentially have less than 90% occupancy. You have 89%, just 16 out of 18 occupied so we had to make sure that the the sellers were able to put a tenant in there that was credible and had the right Mm. potentially credit history and checked out not just put anybody into the building Mm. before we closed um also in this particular town the municipality does its own inspection which Mm. is more rigorous than the typical ready inspection that happens and so what ended up happening is we were ready to close But the municipality wouldn't allow the seller to close until they had actually checked off these boxes of all these repairs needed to get done. So we had to juggle a little bit with closing timing and when we we locked our rate on the loan. Um, It was a very interesting experience. Things worked out, we ended up buying it. (laughs) But it was one of those where you learn a lot when you do anything for the first time.
0: Yeah, very interesting, very interesting. So on your next deal you went, I think it was a 37 unit. And um, you actually JV'd this one. So you brought in, I guess it was your broker from the 18-unit deal. Is that correct?
1: I was the broker from my first deal, actually. So um, okay. 37 year was in Michigan. Uh, the, the same broker that I bought the first deal from brought it to me. And actually, it was happening at the same time as this Chicago deal was. Um, mm-hmm. On this one, the broker found the deal on the MLS. Um, mm-hmm. So he wasn't the listing agent, but he he found it on the mls and he was like david you should take a look at this and so first of all this kind of talks about the relationship with the broker and how important that is Mm -hmm. so this broker is really cool guy um very aggressive young guy and i really liked that he thought of me for this deal right it wasn't a super large deal but it was 37 units And frankly ended up being one of the better deals that we bought in terms of pricing. And just the deal was mispriced. It was, like I said, it was listed on the MLS. It sounds like the sellers didn't quite know what to list it or how to sell it or they just were kind of fumbling through it. But, um, I partnered with the broker to kind of incentivize him to bring me similar deals in the future. So really his, his contribution was he found this great deal that was priced very well and, he said, hey, I'd be willing to invest with you. So he understood my trajectory of where I was going. I wanted to buy a bunch of assets for myself. Um, and he said, yeah, I mean, I'm interested in the same thing. I'd like to I'd like to have a long hold period. I'm not really looking to flip anything. Um, I like you, I trust you, I'd, I'd like to be involved in it. So the way we structured that was basically, hey, Mr. Broker, I actually don't need your money on this deal, but since you did bring it to me, um, sure, let's do it. And yeah, I'd like you to be part of it. And I'd like you to also kind of consider me because at this point, I'm not a big investor, right? I'd like him to consider me as somebody who he'd be, who he'd be bringing deals to. Um, and, and happily, that relationship has continued. And I, brought, I bought a number of other deals from the same broker. Um, in terms of in terms of responsibilities on it, essentially his contribution was finding that deal and helping negotiate it. But the rest of that was, was mostly myself and my wife.
0: Interesting. So he found that deal in the MLS. It was just it must have been just mom and pop uh, people there that, uh, that were uh, listing it with friends of theirs or a family member, the normal yep. kind of real estate agent. Yeah, it's, it's amazing because I've, I've found and purchased commercial multifamily commercial mixed use off uh, MLS before from brokers. So it's just amazing that, um, you know, even if you're looking for larger apartment buildings, make sure you always have that relationship with someone that has access to MLS. And uh, they could be the same person that you're using for larger stuff or someone different because they can just set up a, um, they'll set up an alert there for you for a number of units and it comes on there and, uh, and you'll get an email and I, I doubt they're going to have other people or many other people are doing that. And that's a great hack too, especially when we're in the marketing cycle that we are uh, in right now. But um, that was great that you guys were able to JV with him. I imagine he rolled some of his commission into the deal as well to uh, help you guys close
1: he actually brought cash nice. to the table as well. He, he, I think he did, nice. person, but they also brought cash in because he really wanted to not just be like, uh, yeah, I'm just mm-hmm. here for the, for the services, but he was like, I'll put cash on the line. So yeah, it was, it was a good, good partnership.
0: So you, I mean, you did a, you did a deal with them, him prior. So you knew who he was. Um, people are always like, uh, trying, I hear people talking to me they're like, Oh, I can have a partner with my broker. And, um, you know, they can roll their commission in and we can use that for down payment. Well, if but you're a partner with them now for five or seven years. So you have to make sure that you know who you are, not that you're just going for the quick uh, percentage of uh, money that they're going to put in there. So you actually did a deal with you, which is awesome. So you knew who he was and you must've had multi-year experience with him and a track record of both of you before you move to kind of the next, uh, the next phase in your relationship as actually JV partner. So that's, that's great. That's an awesome way of uh, doing the deal and uh, keeping a lot of it for uh, both of you without any other investors. Yep. So let's talk about your first uh, syndication deal. So you went from this uh, 37 unit, you go to a 94 unit, which was your first syndication. I mean, how did you find the deal? how did you raise money for that? Because you, you, were you were you kind of working and farming some of your uh, professional people in your network to invest with you while you were doing these smaller deals? Or was this something that when you found it, now you had to start reaching out to other people to uh, start uh, asking for money?
1: Yeah, so um, it was a very interesting evolution. Uh, there was a deal in between, uh, I think, the 37 unit and the 94 unit, um, also happened to be actually from the same broker. But... Mm. And the 94-unit from the same broker as well. But uh, (laughs) interestingly, people just started reaching out to me. So I I was still working my management consulting career. um, And I was excited, right? So I was talking to my friends, my colleagues, my ex-colleagues, my clients. I was telling them what I was doing. And they actually prompted me to think about syndicating. Again, Mm -hmm. our original goal was just to buy properties for ourselves and not really partner with anyone. (laughs) Um, But literally, I mean, my clients would say, listen, uh, tell me more about this, this, these buildings that you're buying, because this sounds very interesting. Um, We want to be exposed to real estate more, right? But we don't want to uh, have to answer phones about tenant issues and Mm -hmm. toilet blocking and all that kind of stuff. Like we we just want to invest in real estate, kind of like, like the stock market. And so, I mean, at first I was like, "Yeah, haha, ha, great, go do your own deal." But then multiple people said the same thing, so I started thinking about it. Like, I mean, literally, people were saying, "Can we invest with you?" And so, I mean, after enough people had said this, my wife and I talked about it and said, "Well, sure. I mean, we will run out of our cash at some point soon." So, maybe doesn't maybe it's not such a bad idea to partner with other individuals and take our money further and also sprinkle a little bit more cash and more deals, right so diversify mm-hmm. some so that's really how syndication came about for us um, and no, the first deal was pretty simple and and for everyone we do, we put our own cash into um, and a significant amount of cash I think on that first deal we put in about two hundred and fifty um, so people came and said, we'd like to invest. And again, not really wanting to have too many investors in any one deal. We we said, fine, um, as long as you can bring in $100,000, that's our minimum raise, Um, Mm -hmm. let's do it. And so that's how that first deal came about. I mean, it was really just saying, okay guys, we're we're now doing this since you guys requested, let's see who's really gonna write a check. Um, Mm -hmm. And again, it kind of came together fairly seamlessly uh, same broker <laughs> um, and he that, that was a deal that I was going to pass on but he said listen you should really take a look at this one um, it's a very good property it, it shows well it's a bit more expensive on a per door basis but it's a much mm-hmm. it's a better quality than some of the things you bought before um, there's more doors under one roof so to speak so you have economies mm-hmm. of scale um, so he really made us reconsider it. We went back, looked at the deal, looked at the numbers and, and said, sure, let's do it. Um, so that was, that was that when it came together again in very quick succession. I think that that was probably 68 months after the first couple of deals we did.
0: So how does the general partnership team look like on that deal? Is it just mainly you? Is there a broker? Did you have, bring anybody else on with you? To uh, help you close the deal, raise the funds, or handle any of the asset management going forward?
1: No, it was just me, my, me, and my wife. So, my wife and I kind of okay. our partners. Uh, the, the broker did not put money in that deal and we didn't bring him in on that one as a general partner. Um, we did all the fundraising, we put the deal together, we closed it. We didn't really need any partners to make it happen. Um, so, yeah, it was just us.
0: So, you've kind of progressed. I mean, you, you bought in 2006 with smaller residential multifamily, and then you've kind of grown into buying 94 unit properties. So how have your goals and real estate investment goals and strategies adjusted since you've started investing? Is it just because you wanted more time and uh, you want the scale faster, or is it because you were looking for something different and this was an easier way of getting to that goal by bringing on a syndication, working with other people?
1: Yeah, I would say, I mean, that's that's an interesting question. Um for the most part our strategy is still the same right mm-hmm. so really we started out with trying to generate passive cash flow for ourselves as a family mm-hmm. and and for investors i mean as as we got to syndicating um i think the i mean we do bigger deals so maybe from that perspective it's a little bit different mm-hmm. um but i mean at the at the heart of it we're still doing the same thing um I would say maybe now we're a bit more more cognizant of marketing a little bit more having a blog that kind of thing um because as as you buy more deals and buy bigger deals you do exhaust your network of people that can write checks right so from that perspective i think that's the one thing that's different but i think our strategy has really never been to do a ton of deals which has been nice and and frankly Mm. uh i think has kept us out of trouble because we don't have to go do another deal anytime. Really. Uh, we only do deals that we think fall into that sweet spot for us where we can, we we have an advantage where we know the area better. We can provide value where we feel like it's a low risk, fairly high reward situation. Um, but yeah, fundamentally our strategy has always been invest with the cash flow, do some value add, but that's not a heavy part of our, um, of our return. Um, So no, it's, it's fairly still the same, I
0: would say. Interesting. Yeah. It's great that you're doing uh, the light value ads. I mean, with light value ads, you get the agency debt, you're buying 90% plus uh, economic uh, occupied properties so that the risk is very minimal for you and your investors. So it's very easy to uh, sell those, let's say, and uh, without uh, better words um, to your investors. And uh, it's also knowing that uh, there's not, much that you have to change, you're just kind of finalizing and um, fine tuning the property that you're taking over. So it's a great business plan that you are uh, that you guys work with. Yeah,
1: um, I, would say, I, would that, I would say that there's fewer properties that fall into that category in the market. So again, maybe mm-hmm. that's why we do not as many deals. Um, I think yeah. some choose to do, I mean, a little bit more kind of repositioning of properties where they do a bit heavier lifts and more difficult remodels we've we've so far stayed away from that and it's worked for us for the reasons you mentioned it's, it's lower risk.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. So I imagined uh, other investors uh, that want to be active, uh, reach out to you and uh, ask for your advice on uh, their particular situation. And I want to see what kind of common mistakes do you see other real estate investors make?
1: Yeah. So I think, I think especially where we are today, um, the one thing that I see is a lot of people just have a bit aggressive assumptions, a bit more aggressive than maybe they have mm-hmm. betted out, right? Um, that's one. I think another one is probably paying a bit more upfront. Um, I think the, the current cap rate compression is really pushed pricing up and I think uh, just It's a fact that a lot of people have raised a bunch of cash. And so there's a lot more money chasing deals, It's just kind of how it is. So being very selective and being patient, I'd say, is is a virtue. And some people may afford to pay a bit more than I would. Um, And now that that's a mistake. But again, you just have to know what your expectation from your investors is um, Mm -hmm. and what can you go execute, right? So those are kind of the two things that I caution people about. Um, and I think, I think in general, the space has become a bit crowded in that specifically multifamily is getting more attention mm-hmm. post pandemic or at the tail end of the pandemic, hopefully, uh, just because some of the other real estate asset classes have not performed as much, right? So hotels haven't performed as much, retail, um, so office space. So a lot of those traditional investors that would invest in those assets seem to be looking at anything that cash flows well and has good returns, which is multifamily.
0: Yeah. Leah, well, a lot of people chasing yields from other real estate asset classes, that's for sure. So uh, David, what, are, what do you think are the main factors that have contributed to your success?
1: I would say staying disciplined um, is very key mm-hmm. and know what your strengths are, right? So we know that our strength is not um, doing... Major rehabs of properties. We just don't have that skill set. At least at this point, we don't. Uh, we might delve into that in the future. Um, <laughs> but, but I think, yeah. So you have to know where you can do well and what you can accomplish. Um, so being disciplined and staying patient. Um, I would also say having the support of my wife in this, as we work together, has been very key. Right. I think a lot of a lot of uh, families and spouses would would realize or recognize that sometimes it's hard when you're pulling in two directions, if you're working as a, trying to work as a team, but not everybody's on the same page. So I've been very fortunate that my wife is exactly on the same page with this. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, you have to do your homework. You have to do the analysis. You have to know the neighborhoods. You have to spend time with the brokers. There's no substitute for that. And you have to be really attentive to detail, right? Um, I'd say real estate's a business where, Sure, it's less complicated than many other businesses that I've seen, but you still have to know your numbers, right? And uh, if you make a few mistakes, you can still be okay, but just don't make the big ones.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's great. The other thing too that uh, kind of add to what, you're, uh, what I feel one of your factors is, is that um, when we were talking about your first property, is that uh, your family, you and your family had your why in place, which was more time. Uh, with your family so that's a huge goal for you to work for work towards and uh, that's awesome that it's great to have that kind of guiding light of where you're going so you know hey this 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 property is going to be a lot of work it's going to be a lot of management it's going to be a lot of asset management project management Uh, let's pass over and then stick with ones that are going to be a little easier that we can uh, use some of our skills to um, you know to clean up and to get rented uh, to better tenants higher paying tenants and stuff like that so that's awesome
1: yeah, I think, I think having so, clarity as to why you're doing it absolutely is a, is a key thing because it helps us figure out what deals make sense for us. But also, mm-hmm. to your point, what I mean, again, for me right now, it's really all about cash flow, right? So, for any given deal, mm-hmm. there's an element of how much cash flow is this adding to our income statement, our personal income statement, <laughs> our personal cash flow statement yeah. on a monthly basis. And so, you you kind of have to really understand that because I think some people do get wrapped up in, let's do the next deal. Let's do the next deal. And at some point, I mean, if you're doing too many things, it's more difficult to make mistakes.
0: Yeah. No, that's great. And you, you also have a strict criteria that you're sticking with for that cash on cash return, because obviously that leads to your goal as well as having passive income. And uh, I imagine as well with your investors. So it's great to have that uh, alignment of interest between both the general partners and the limited partners. So, but um, David, how can our listeners learn more about you and your business?
1: Uh, you can find us at our website, which is Cape Sierra Capital. It's C-A-P-E. Mm-hmm. S-I-E-R-R-A, capital.com. And while you're there, you can download my free ebook, which is the Personal Cash Flow Formula. Um, Take a look. I I think it should help you.
0: Okay, David. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. I will put those links into the show notes and uh, looking forward to connecting with you in the near future.
1: Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Charles.